Hi, welcome to episode 28 of Global Exchanges, a podcast about foreign exchange markets and related issues. I'm Greg Anderson. In this week's episode, my co-host Stephen Gowell and I will be joined by one of BMO's FX Forward traders, James Topham, from our London office. Together, we will discuss the phenomenon frequently referred to as turn pressures in the FX Forwards market. The title for this episode is As the FX World Turns. Hi, I'm Stephen Gallo, a London-based FX strategist. Welcome to Global Exchanges, presented by BMO Capital Markets. Hi, I'm Greg Anderson, a New York-based FX strategist. I'm Stephen's co-host. In each weekly podcast like today's, we discuss our perspectives on the global economy and the foreign exchange market. We also bring in guests from the FX industry and from related financial markets like commodities. We strive to make this show as interactive as possible, so don't hesitate to reach out by going to bmocm.com slash global exchanges. Thanks for joining us. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. Okay, it's December 14th, 2021. Welcome to episode 28 of Global Exchanges. Uh, As noted in the intro by my colleague, Greg, uh, we're joined today by James Topham from BMO's London FX Trading Desk. Specifically, James works for BMO in the capacity of a forwards trader. And this is a function which he has been performing for 15 years, both inside and outside of BMO. James, welcome to Global Exchanges. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. Hi, James. Greg here. uh, Let me just uh, reiterate the thank yous. We tend to get a lot of questions at this time of year from clients about term pressures, and, and we have a few of them of our own. So uh, we're very excited to share your insights with our listeners. And uh, let's just get started. Go straight to questions. Can you take our listeners through the various reasons for turn pressures? Um, Yes, sure. In one line, uh, it's regulation of the banking sector and window dressing of accounts um, in other sectors um, for the day of calendar year end, uh, which leads to radical shifts in the supply and demand balance for collateral and cash instruments. Uh, relative to normal business days. Um, Let's take one example. Uh, One of the most consequential regulations, uh, we think, is the Basel III GCIB charges regime, which applies to the biggest international banks. Uh, In simple terms, their balance sheets are measured. uh, They're put into categories by size. The bigger you are, the bigger the capital buffer you have to hold, the more it costs you. So there's a direct financial incentive there to shrink balance sheet at the point of measurement, uh, which is year end. So what you see is from the big banks uh, is a big reluctance to take deposits, a big reluctance to undertake repo type activity, real incentive to shrink balance sheet. So flows between different short end instruments, which would normally take place to clear uh, imbalances between those markets don't occur. Um, And that's why you see these huge spikes or or chasms uh, in implied yields. Uh, There are also um, some country specific factors uh, the design of the central bank, um, commercial bank plumbing, the, the system there for keeping short end rates under control is a factor uh, in the severity of turns. Uh, and there's also a couple of um, idiosyncratic domestic regulation type things like how insurance companies and um, other 
non-bank financial companies are, are regulated also impact behaviour. Um, it's worth noting that we used to think of the turns as being caused by a dollar shortage or more expensive dollars. But these days, the dominant factor is unusually low yields on the non-dollar currency uh, because there is so much excess liquidity and nowhere to park uh, these balances um, without falling foul of uh, costly uh, regulatory charges. So that's, uh, that's why some of the yields are so low there. James, if I, if I could ask the next question um, as a follow-up, what, what you're talking about sounds like uh, an interest rate, front-end interest rate curve phenomena in individual currencies rather than um, something that spans across currencies that, and would impact spot foreign exchange. But my, my question to you is, does this spill over into spot foreign exchange? Uh, the short answer is uh, no, not these days and not in G10 currencies. There are common factors uh, which can impact the spot rate and the severity of the year-end turn. For example, the the quantity of QE uh, and excess liquidity in the system. But it wouldn't be correct to say that the turns are affecting spot. Although at times we're talking about implied um, annualised rates of 10% or more on on balances, if those rates are only applying for a few days, uh, which they are just over the year-end specifically, then the net impact is is a lot less. So in the bigger picture, it's unlikely to be worth the risk of taking a directional spot position to uh, extricate yourself from turn costs. And we don't know exactly where the turn is going to trade um, in, in what week of the year and what level it will settle on. But because it is a known issue and is priced quite far in advance, I think people um, I think people make their peace with it. And I don't think people look to... Um, to get out of it um, with a with with a spot trade. Well, you know, James, we're all aware of the fact that the global financial crisis of two thousand and eight was a very important milestone uh, in financial history, and many of us didn't even really pay attention to things like term pressure prior to the global financial crisis. So, can can you give us an idea of how things have evolved? Uh, in the 10 plus years since the GFC. And then after that, are there any particular years which you can pinpoint that stand out as being notable since 2008? Um, sure, yeah. The rough pattern is uh, is always the same. Um, you know, it uh, it's volatile. It swings around on flows and rumors. Most of the time it normalizes uh, in the final week of the year, but not always. Um, things have evolved since uh, since the GFC for sure. Two things that come to mind: the implied uh, euro turn. You used to pay a premium for euro pre uh, pre two thousand and twelve, I would say, and then it inverted into um, being uh, you know being euro discount. So that was quite a it was quite a meaningful change when that occurred. Also, I think I'd like to highlight twenty seventeen um, as being a year when uh, there were a few uh, a few types of dollar borrowing flows all hitting the market at the same time um, around the, around this uh, mid-December time actually and uh, really there was some some huge uh, some huge moves in interns much bigger than uh, previous years and much bigger than we've seen since but I think that um, the people involved in that kind of uh, in that mess I think they uh, altered their behavior and I think people spread it around a, a, a little better now throughout the throughout the month of November and December so that um, we we haven't had such a uh, such a squeeze 
Very interesting stuff, James. Uh, could you compare this year thus far, 2021, turn pressures that we've seen compared to uh, the previous five years, say? It's uh, It's been about average so far, I would say, uh, both in terms of uh, ranges and the, the, the rough pattern of movement has been um, within within the sort of five-year average, I would say. But there are still two and a bit weeks to go. Just to tack on a follow-up, James, have there been any currencies in particular that stand out with uh, term pressures this year? Yeah, sure. Uh, the, the euro and European currencies um, such as Swiss, Swedish and, and sterling have been notably more stressed this year than, than others in G10 like CAD and, and yen, for example. That divergence has been more noteworthy this year, I think, um, than, than recent years. I do think we can see sterling move across into that lower stress camp alongside CAD and yen later this year, uh, perhaps after Christmas. But I'm, I'm less confident about euro and um, Swiss and stocky, you know, your sort of real QE negative slash zero interest rate um, currencies are normalizing all the way back. James, wondering if I could just jump in here and uh, ask you specifically about euro. Have there been any notable developments in the cross-currency basis or term pressures related to the euro this year? And if so, do you think this can be linked back in, in some way to the ECB's policy stance? Um, yes. Uh, I have to think that um, the, the specific pressure in the, in the euro this year is related to the sheer volume of excess liquidity coming from QE and their other uh, various, uh, variously acronymed asset purchase programs. But there are also a, a few more specific plumbing issues within the Eurozone, uh, which some specialists have commented on. Um, I'm not 100% on the details, but apparently another side effect of the, the asset purchase programs is a lack of good collateral in the market. Um, which exacerbates the problems I've mentioned uh, about swapping, um, you know, swapping one short-ended instrument for another, and um, you know, equalizing, uh, equalizing the markets. So I think that's definitely uh, something that's that's driving euro specifically, and I think it's then spilling over into the other currencies I mentioned, like uh, Swiss and and Stocky, the sort of peripheral uh, eurozone uh, currencies. James, uh, big thanks for everything you've given us uh, thus far. I think I have the honor of asking the last question, and um, maybe I'll I'll try to sneak in a double, so to speak. Uh, so my question is: um, This year, uh, has there been a moment of uh, peak or max stress, so to speak? Um, and to extend it, is it possible that that moment of max stress is uh, is still out there, uh, like maybe tomorrow um, or somewhere between now and December thirty first? Um, yeah, sure. Thanks, Greg. No, no problem. Um, so far, this uh, this cycle, uh, max stress occurred on uh, Tuesday, the 30th of November. Uh, you'll note that's a, a month end. So that's consistent with uh, large month end roll flow, which comes from large institutional investors, mostly US investors, but also um, European and, and other institutions. So big, big flows where they roll one month at a time. So obviously, at the end of November is where they they conduct their role that will go into January. So that's when those flows need to be uh, digested by the market. Um, so that was the moment of max stress thus far, this cycle. Um, I think that's probably established uh, the top of the range for us um, so far and probably probably for the rest of the year. 
I think that we're going to trade within within the existing range set by that um, until Christmas. And then after Christmas, we may see a break towards normalization. The ECB special two-week dollar operation is often viewed as a key turning point for opportunistic European banks to, uh, to arbitrage the turn um, if they have the appetite and capacity to do so. Uh, this year, that is taking place on the 22nd of December, I believe. Um, so let's, uh, let's keep an eye on the uptake there. Four out of five times, I would say, uh, the turns do normalise in the run-up to New Year's Eve, although there can be choppy two-way action uh, when it comes to trading it as overnight on New Year's Eve um, itself as liquidity just totally evaporates. Anecdotally, we do still have one more category of dollar borrowers uh, yet to come to the market this year with flows large enough to easily push things around. Um, so if they come tomorrow, then uh, you know it could, uh, it could widen again tomorrow. Um, but I think they may save it until 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 last orders. Um, so let's stay tuned. Well, you know what, uh, James, as Greg said, we've taken a lot of useful information in from you today. And I think our listeners will benefit from your insight. We certainly have. I know that. Um, so I just want to say one more time, thanks for joining us, James. We'll be looking to get you on here again, probably in the new year, especially if we get some intrigue in funding markets over the course of the next 12 months. Cool. Okay, Steve. Thanks very much for uh, thanks very much for having me. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Greg. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to Global Exchanges. Listen to past episodes and find transcripts at bmocm.com/globalexchanges. We'd love to hear what you thought of today's episode. You can send us an email or reach out to us on Bloomberg. You can listen to this show and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. This show and resources are supported by our team here at BMO, including the FIC Macro Strategy Group and BMO's marketing team. This show is produced and edited by Puddle Creative. This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated, and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO, who are involved in fixed income and foreign exchange sales and marketing efforts. Accordingly, it should be considered to be a product of the fixed income and foreign exchange businesses generally, and not a research report that reflects the views of disinterested research analysts. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including without limitation any commodities, securities, or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients. It does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances, or otherwise constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. BMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options, or any other activity which would cause BMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. BMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interests in you, to the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified independent representative in making hedging or trading decisions. This podcast is not to be relied upon in substitution for the exercise of independent judgment. You should conduct your own independent analysis of the matters referred to herein, together with your qualified independent representative, if applicable. BMO assumes no responsibility for verification of the information in this podcast. No representation or warranty is made as to the accuracy or completeness of such information, and BMO accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss arising from any use of or reliance on this podcast. BMO assumes no obligation to correct or update this podcast. 
This podcast does not contain all information that may be required to evaluate any transaction or matter. And information may be available to BMO and or its affiliates that is not reflected herein. BMO and its affiliates may have positions, long or short, and affect transactions or make markets in securities mentioned herein, or provide advice or loans to, or participate in the underwriting or restructuring of the obligations of issuers and companies mentioned herein. Moreover, BMO's trading desks may have acted on the basis of the information in this podcast. For further information, please go to bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.